Hello, dear friends, and welcome to another inspiring edition of New Promise Church's weekly sermons. We are truly delighted to have you join us today. Whether you are a longtime member of our congregation or a first-time visitor, we extend a warm and heartfelt welcome to you. Each week, we come together in the spirit of fellowship and reflection to explore timeless truths, gain spiritual insights, and draw closer to our Creator. We believe that through the power of the Word and the messages shared here, we can find guidance, comfort, and a deeper connection to our faith. Before we begin, I'd like to invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for the wisdom and inspiration that will be shared here today. Whether you're listening from the comfort of your home, during your commute, or as part of our congregation, we encourage you to engage with an open heart and an open mind. As we embark on this journey of faith together, remember that you are not alone. We are a community bound by our shared belief, and we are here to support and uplift one another. Now, without further ado, let us turn our attention to the message that awaits us in today's episode. Great job, Chris. Ooh, am I on? <laughs> Good morning. Oh, the stage is set so beautifully up here. We've got all this Christmas music. Oh, it just feels like this, this season, doesn't it? It just feels like the Christmas season. Uh, as I was preparing for this message this morning, uh, I, I was asking God what, what he wanted uh, me to share. And, and what he put on my heart uh, was Joshua chapter 6. And I kept asking, I was like, I mean, we're, we've, we've entered into December. Shouldn't it be a Christmas message? Uh, and God's like, no, this is, this is the message that he wanted me to share today. Um, and then after, through my preparation, I realized that, uh, of course, this ties right in. Uh, and so I'm so excited to be here this morning and to be uh, preaching to you guys. Uh, if you would, please join me as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for your provision we thank you that you are on the throne. Lord, with everything crazy that's going on in our world today, Lord, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are Emmanuel with us, just as much today as 2,000 years ago. Lord, we thank you, and Lord, let us rest in your promises this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, one of the other things I thought about when looking at Joshua 6 is, uh, even though I've been in ministry for uh, several years now, I have never uh, taught or preached out of Joshua 6, which is a pretty common Sunday school lesson uh, that we, we all heard when we were growing up, uh, when we were little, the, the, about the walls of Jericho. Uh, so this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please open up to Joshua chapter 6. Uh, everything will be up on the screen as well if you'd like to follow along. Um, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And the priests, blowing the trumpets, when you hear them sound a long blast 
on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of them, in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voice, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on the, that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out, and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her family, and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lived among the Israelites to this day. At that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath, "'Cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild this city of Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son,' 
He will lay its foundations, and the cost of his youngest, he will set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. Today, I want to talk to you about seven lessons from Joshua chapter 6. I know we just read through a lot, but uh, the first lesson that I want to talk about is embracing the journey. Follow God even if the journey seems impossible or unexpected. The walls of Jericho should have been uh, impregnable. They should not have been able to take them over. Uh, Archaeologists have looked at this site, and Jericho is elevated. The walls are elevated. There's not only an outside wall, but there's an inside wall as well. Um, And looking at it would have been almost terrifying for any army. What Joshua and the Israelites were up against may have seemed impossible to overcome, but they followed God anyway with full trust and hope in his promise and faithfulness that he would indeed fight for them to claim the land that was promised to them. All believers can rest assured that even if the path seems impossible or is not what we expected, when we prayerfully follow God's plan for our lives, for us, it will be worth every step of the way. This story reminds us how crucial it is to lean on God and to put our trust in Him because that is, that is when the impossible can happen. In verse 20 it said, When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord. It was uncommon common sense to believe that God could make the impossible possible. Yet in the end, the walls fell. You see, the walls were not the problem. They never are. We, people, are the problem. We always are. God has the power to do as he chooses, but he desires that we act in obedient faith. When we do, he takes care of the walls. He takes care of those obstacles that are placed in front of us, those things that are keeping us from him, from his promises. Hebrews 11.30 reminds us, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. Joshua and the people of God demonstrated deep confidence in the power of God. Do we possess that same confidence today, church? The second point I want to look at is we need to attune our heart. When we listen, we can hear God speaking to us. A radical component to this biblical narrative is that God spoke to Joshua, and Joshua listened. Because Joshua took the time to listen to God and to seek what he had for him, what his direction was, he heard clearly from the Lord what steps to take. As Christians today, we can learn a valuable lesson about the importance of making space and time to hear from God. When we stop and we take time to listen, we will hear his voice. The primary, word, the primary way that the Lord speaks to us today is through his Holy Scripture, the written word revealed to us. When we want to hear God's voice, the Bible is where we should look. Most of, the will for, most of the will of God for our lives is already fully revealed in its pages, and it is simply a matter of our obedience to it. 
The primary way we as Christians hear God's voice is through reading and studying His Word and then obeying and applying what Scripture says. People often rely on uh, their own self to lead them. They, they rely on their, their feelings, their logic. But when we look at Romans 8.14, we see in context the passage speaks of the Spirit leading us away from sinful activity into confidence when we rely on the Spirit and the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will never lead us contrary to Scripture. If a person is considering uh, some sort of sin, maybe having an affair, the Spirit might lead uh, them away from that. They might bring to light uh, Scripture, like 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, to mind. Uh, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication or sexual impurity. When the Spirit leads, He is not imparting new information as much as He is impressing on our hearts the truth God has already revealed in Scripture and applying it to our situation. If a person says, God told me, or the Spirit led me to do such and such, and the action taken is contrary to what is in Scripture, then that person is mistaken. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into sin. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into doing something that is against God's Word. We can also hear God's voice as he speaks through other people. Proverbs 15, 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Good counselors or advisors can help us see a situation with new eyes. Uh, The people that surround us are able to sharpen us, are able to point out the blind spots in our own lives. Uh, All of us have had this situation happen where we're too close to a situation to, to really figure it out. So we go to somebody else and we ask their counsel. And when we seek their wise counsel, they say, they, they've been able to step back and say, hey, Nick, I, I think this is the way you're supposed to go. This is, the, this is the way. But no matter what, as long as that lines up with Scripture as well. Uh, godly advisors can often see areas in our lives that we're blind to. A group of advisors may discern that a person seeking to hear God's voice is, is actually just seeking approval of his or her own personal agenda. Another way to hear God's voice is to pray and ask for wisdom. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it be given to you. When we are facing difficult circumstances and need to hear from God, we should ask for wisdom that God promise, promises to give. This wisdom will ultimately come from God, but it might come through to light through the word of a friend uh, or through a, an article that we read, through the Holy Spirit, from the Bible, uh, these inner promptings. Once again, the written word of God is the standard by which all thoughts, actions, ideas, and feelings must be judged. Number three, there's purpose in his plan. God is purposeful. He's not random. Amen? God did not instruct Joshua and his army to just storm the, castle, storm the, the, the city as soon as they got there. He instructed them what they were supposed to do. He gave them meticulous steps along the way. God was very specific and purposeful in how he orchestrated the walls of Jericho falling. If God is purposeful about helping the Israelites claim the city, we can be confident that God is also purposeful in each of our lives. 
The ups, the downs of life may feel unexpected and catch us off guard, but God knows what is coming and will make out of all circumstances good for those whom love him. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Our lives are meaningful and significant because God is writing each of our stories in a purposeful way. Some people only move forward on what feels good. Others consider only uh, things that they think are logical. But as followers of Christ, we do things that the world does not deem logical. We do things that the world does not deem as feeling good. We sacrifice self. The Bible declares that life is not random, haphazard, or an accident. God the Creator has declared purposes for His creation and for us. Meaning, meaning and purpose are wrapped up in Jesus. Following Jesus to the world might not seem logical, might not feel good, but that is because we do not see the whole picture the way God sees it. Our ways are not God's ways. The Bible begins with God, and that's where man's purpose begins too. God is sovereign, planner of the universe, and he is good and holy. And that extends before all of creation and in, into eternity and our future. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10 reads, Remember the former things, those long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end, of the be the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come, I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. That brings us to our fourth point. Patiently persevere. The outcome may not be instant, and sometimes we are not patient people, but we must wait on the Lord. The Israelites were not given permission to, on day one, attack. Uh, they were not even told to try to bring the walls down on day one. They had to wait seven days. They marched, they camped, and they waited on God to move. Perhaps some of the armed men wondered as they were marching around the walls if this was really the way to claim victory over Jericho. I could see that one guy in the army who's looking around going, hey guys, is this, is this even smart? We're pretty close to those walls right there. Uh, they're just going to start shooting stuff at us. Um, I mean, I, I get it, we're going to march around once, but, and, and God said the walls are going to fall, but do you think maybe we should have a backup plan? Uh, maybe we should build some catapults. Maybe we should build a battering ram. Definitely some ladders. Those walls look really tall. Um, you know what? Maybe we could even invent dynamite. That'd be great. we just blow up the walls. Uh, I probably would have been that one guy in the army, like, looking around, like, is everybody else good with this? <laughs> um, there's always that one. Um, but no, they were, they were marching, they were, they were following God's orders. We may find ourselves thinking similar thoughts when it comes to waiting on the Lord. The answer is to keep waiting on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Isaiah 40, 31. Waiting on the Lord deepens our faith, increases our trust in Him, and while we wait with faith, God will certainly transform and renew us. And through that waiting, God grows us. 
Uh, Again, God's timing is not our timing. Our timing is not God's timing. Our prayer is so that we can be patient and wait on the Lord's timing. Because I'm sure everybody in this room, uh, we're all looking around and we're saying, Lord Jesus, return. Uh, This seems like the perfect time. It seems like the perfect time to me. It might seem like the perfect time to you too. The Lord will reveal that when it's his perfect time. Life is best when we let God do his work. We must remember that God can do in 10 minutes, in 10 seconds, what we might spend 10 years, 10 lifetimes trying to accomplish. And this can be a hard lesson for us. When we talk about faith, when we talk about faith, but in times of crisis, we have a tendency to trust our heart, uh, to, to trust in what we've done, uh, instead of listening and leaning on God. And this can be hard for us sometimes. Sometimes we are just too impatient to wait on what the Lord has for us. We only march around the city four or five times before we, we get fed up and we, we decide to charge face first into the wall instead of being patient and waiting for the Lord's timing. Now don't misunderstand. Uh, this message is not simply kick back in your recliner and let God get rid of all of your problems. Uh, the Israelites didn't just sit in the camp and wait for God to knock down the walls. They had responsibilities. Their jobs were to obey his commands, to march around the city like he requested. Their job was to continually be in his presence and do what he had asked. Practically, this means for us, maybe you're out there today and you're looking for a job. doesn't mean that we stop knocking. doesn't mean we stop sending in applications but we patiently wait for God to open the right door. The person in financial difficulties must cut out unnecessary expenses and work hard to pay their debts. They must become good stewards of what they already have and wait for God to provide what they need. The person with a troubled marriage should go to counseling, read books on marriage, and work out those problem areas of communication and other compatibility issues while they trust God to restore their love in their marriage. The person who is looking for a husband or a wife must date those who share their commitment to Christ and who will abide by the biblical principles of purity before marriage. They must trust that God will lead them to the right person. The person who is ill should absolutely pray for healing. They should talk to their doctor. They should take their medicine and trust that God will make them well. The person in ministry has the job of faithfully teaching the truth and loving people. It's God's job to bring results. And that's hard for us sometimes. It's hard because we want to see what God is doing in real time. And sometimes the seeds that we plant today might not grow for 10 years. And that's hard for us. Our job is to do what God tells us to do. His job is to bring the results. Number five, we must embrace dependency. That's a hard word for us today because we're such an independent people. We want to be self-sufficient. We want to be self-reliant. But the truth of the matter is we must embrace our dependency on God. We are not sufficient in and of ourselves. We need God. The Israelites could have marched around the walls of Jericho a million times. They could have blown a thousand horns and shouted until they lost their voices. 
But without God's power, the walls of Jericho would never have fallen. We are not entirely self-sufficient. We truly need God. We need God to win our battles, to empower us to love others, to overcome the obstacles in our lives, and to make a lasting impact in our world. We need God in our friendships, in our careers, in our marriages, in our families. We need God when we are tempted to think otherwise. God fought this battle on behalf of the Israelites. He didn't leave them. He didn't forsake them. We would be foolish to think that we can succeed without God. Yet we find ourselves defaulting to our own method, our own strength, our own wisdom to fight our own battles. One of the instructions that God gave Joshua was that the ark of God was to be carried around the walls of Jericho. God wants us to know that today, that in order to access our own promised land, we still need his presence to go before him, before us. This was the same revelation that Moses had the moment that he realized that the blessings of God would be worthless if God himself was not present. In 1981, uh, a Minnesota radio station reported a story about a stolen car in California. Police were staggering in an intense search for the vehicle and the driver, even to the point of placing announcements out on the local radio stations to contact the thief. See, on the front seat of the passenger side, the, the owner had left a box of crackers. And what the thief wouldn't have known is that those crackers were put, there was rat poison in those crackers. He was going to use them as bait uh, when he got to where he was going. And the thief had stolen his car. So instead of them worrying about where the car was or who had it, they were worried that the person who stole the car would eat those crackers and, and they were trying to save his life rather than recover the car. So often we run from God. We feel it is to escape his punishment. But what we were actually doing is eluding his rescue. That brings us to our sixth point. Obedience in God matters. We are called to walk in obedience. If the Israelites had resisted the instructions given by God to Joshua, the walls of Jericho would not have come down. The Israelites would have lost and been forced out of the promised land. Their obedience to God mattered. This is still true for us today. Living righteously according to God's ways rather than our own ways makes a difference. We find encouragement from this to be obedient to God and the assurance that obedience will bring blessing. Luke 11, 11 uh, chapter 11, verse 28 says, uh, Blessed are those who hear the word and obey. What God promises, he will fulfill. That brings us to our final point. God promised the Israelites this land. The fall of the walls of Jericho is a grand reminder that God fulfills what he promises. A huge amount of time passed between when God initially promised the land to the Israelites and when they actually came to enter and claim the land. Regardless of how much time passes, God will always make good on his promises. God's timing is not our timing. And God's timing is perfect. We can trust that God is faithful to his promises and we can be at peace while we wait for a promise to come to pass. Verse 2 again says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, 
along with its king and its fighting men. And God promised that at the very beginning. God promised that before they even got up to the walls. He said, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Not, you guys are strong enough, you got this, go attack the wall. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. The battle is already won. We look at our current world, and that might be hard to see. It feels like Satan is unraveling the moral fabric of our society day by day. But Satan has already lost. He lost the moment he went against God. Amen? He lost the moment he went against God. And as soon as he realized that he had lost, he decided to come after humanity. He decided to come after us. And again, God stepped in and won the victory by sending his son, Jesus, to die on a cross and to be raised again from the dead for our sins. And that's how this, this message ties in to the Christmas story. God does not always do things the way that we think that he should do. Nobody thought that he was going to send a helpless infant baby Emmanuel, God with us, to be born in a manger, to grow, to live, to die on a cross for our sins. Colossians 2, verse 13 through 15 says, When you were dead in your sins and in, un in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. It is now possible to defeat Satan every day in our own lives. The Holy Spirit empowers God's children to say no, to to Satan's agenda and walk in the spirit, living a life pleasing to God. The ultimate defeat of Satan is yet to come. We still live in a broken and fallen world. But the day is coming and we as Christians can live in the light and truth that he is already a defeated foe. Join me as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for we thank you for your word. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for what you are doing here at New Promise Church. Lord, we thank you that the battle has been fought and has been won. We thank you that you are the Lord of lords, King of kings. You are seated on the throne. And nothing, no powers, no principalities, not Satan himself, can do anything about that. Lord, give us the strength to follow after your will. Lord, give us the patience to wait on you every single day and understand that our timing is not your timing and your timing is perfect. Lord, we thank you today and we praise you for what you have done through your son. And Lord, we look forward to spending eternity with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, 